welcome to episode two of the IGDA Twin Cities Development Podcast, I guess we call it. Yes, it is episode two. It's happened. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Foss. With me tonight is... Hi, I'm Jackie. Jackie Eric. <laughs> hey, this is Tori Kamal, back for another week of uh, pain and punishment. Uh, hopefully not. Just kidding. All right. Hopefully not. Let's continue. Um, all right. Well, I thought we'd uh, start out with a little bit of what we've been doing or playing or whatever like that. Uh, a lot of podcasts seem to do that. I don't know how awesome that is or not, but um, I've been up to some stuff, playing way too many games and not doing everything else I should be doing, but or at least wishing I was doing. Um, unfortunately, Steam had a sale. <laughs> um, do it. That'll do it. And uh, but you know, bam, 15 hours are gone. <laughs> and it tells you how many hours are gone, which is even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah and everybody that's everybody else the can one. see it too. Yeah, that's the sad thing about Steam. <laughs> so I, I I I beat Dead Space 2. I beat uh, Splinter Cell Conviction. I'm now on my PC gaming again. I won't even talk about the the mobile games I'm playing. But other than that, um, I've been working on a uh, HD version of Deadly Chambers for the uh, Android devices. Hopefully, we'll have that out soon. Given that the Zoom is coming soon, so. See if we can make a few bucks with that. Higher res Thank graphics. Yeah. All right. How about you Jackie, guys? How about you? Oh, me? Uh, well, I'm getting ready for GDC, so I have a lot of uh, business stuff to do, setting appointments. Um, nothing really all that exciting um, as uh, Ryan's game binge was, but I uh, <laughs> working on decks and <laughs> presentations, one sheets. Is that, um, is that all the documents you're working on? Is that what that's for? Yeah, it's a lot of documents. And uh, I, uh, but I did take some time to play the Dragon Age 2 demo. So that was, and it's really good. And I'm really excited for March 8th. And I'm really glad that GDC falls in that week between now and then so that I won't be like, oh my God. When's Dragon Age 2 coming? Is it March 8th yet? Because I'll be completely distracted, so I'm really excited. <laughs> hey, um, were you really into Oblivion by any chance? No, I, uh, I, I tried to play it, and I just did not like it. Oh, I, I did it. like it. I think I'm the only, only person here that actually really dug Oblivion. But i got to say that most of my time I spent <laughs> downloading mods and trying them out, so that... Uh, the game, the game may have gotten an overrated, or an, yeah, an overrated uh, idea in my mind since I spent so much time with the mods. Part of Elder Scrolls games is is the the relatively easy mod they have built in. But I'm going off on a tangent here. Yeah, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been actually I've been playing a game called Magica, and it's a little indie game that came out on Steam, probably somewhere else too. And it's it's a pretty cool game. It's there's some gameplay designs I wish they would have pushed a little bit more, but it's a really cool game, really cool premise, and I think there's a demo out there, so check it out if, if you're interested in it. Yeah, I'm waiting and, for it to go on sale. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm almost done with Dead Space, and we'd watched that presentation, so it had given me little inspiration to try it out, but I only want to play it when it's dark out and I can put headphones on so I can get the full effect, so I yeah, I, want to find a level. I played some of Dead Space 2 in the dark, or I mean in the middle of the day. And it just yeah. was not the same at all. No, no. Are you playing Dead Space or 2? The first one. The, the first one, yeah, okay. The OG. The OG. <laughs> yeah. The OG DS2. Well, the, re the reason I was asking about 
Oblivion is because I heard that they announced that they're going to announce <laughs> the next one, the yes. the sequel, so to speak. Oh. Yeah, Game, Game Informer put out a last last month's issue was about that. So it is it Sky impressive. Skyrim or Skyrim Skyrim? I don't know yeah. how to say the yeah. Yeah, that's been announced for a while, actually. Oh, am I just really late to the story here? <laughs> I, I think they're just me. talking about it. They're ramping up. Um, but it was announced uh, the same night that Mass Effect 3 was announced. So in Jan- okay. January, maybe? Well, I guess maybe the news that I had heard is that they actually put a date to it. It's going to be 11-11-11. Oh, okay. oh, oh okay. how so cute. Maybe- Maybe yeah, maybe maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Yeah. I don't know why that's they bother. Cool. It's the end of the world. Play it before the world ends. So. Yeah, it was gonna be my joke. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough time to play all the mods for it, but enough time to play the the campaign through anyway. So that's cool. Rock on. Oh, oh. I do have an announcement actually. Uh, the IGDA Board of Directors voting is happening right now, and if you're a member, you should have an email that has a link to your ballot. And voting is open until, I believe, the 13th of March. I'm not sure. Um, but you can find out a bunch of information about the elections and the candidates on IGDA.org. So if you are a member, it would behoove you to vote. Is... um. This is one of those things that I'm a little uh, spacey on, actually, is the whole giant org of it. Like, I'm really into the whole chapter networking concept, and, and I get our little chapter. And that's one of the best things about IGDA, and they really promote um, the chapters, along with, with SIGs as well. Um, what does SIGs stand for? Special interest groups. There we go. So I know that they do that as well. Um, so I'm wondering, like, from the Twin Cities aspect and i think jackie you're the best person to ask is what really does the voting do for us or how does it impact us well it impacts us to the extent of you know as an igda member you are entitled to certain benefits um there's you know, like a group health insurance and um, discounts to GDC, um, some other conferences. It also allows you to uh, network in the different special interest groups and other groups, volunteer, all of those things. So, you know, the board of directors, it's like any kind of democracy where the people you vote in are the people that are going to drive the vision for the IGDA. So if you want them to care more about indie developers, then you would probably want to vote for the people that are indie developers who want the IGDA to care more about indie developers, etc. Or your pet interest, if it's not um, indie. Or if it's, like, for example, with the women in games group, I'm interested in finding people that support getting more diversity into the gaming industry. So I'm going to support those particular people um, as candidates. So it's really, it's really, a, it's more of a platform for, for change. Um, you know, the chapter, or not the, just the chapter, but the organization is built by the members who participate in it. So if you, if you want the, the organization to support you in a particular way, 
um, you should probably support it in that way and get other people on board and you'll probably find that it'll move in that direction should you give it a little shove. Well said. All right. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, it, it's really easy to feel divorced from, I guess. It, it is this large group, but um, from my standpoint, it's really easy to just kind of locally grab on to, you know, what's here and near, um, those personal connections. And so I was just really wondering the, the, the big picture awesomeness that could be or is by GDA. I mean, one of the things that they're trying to do now is get more um, t- more collaboration between the various chapters both domestically and internationally um, so we can learn more about what people are doing in different areas because I mean if you look at how you know like Canada with their specific incentives and things like that a lot of groups go to Canada there's a lot of offices in Asia there's a lot of offices in the UK and Ireland and you know, then there's like pockets throughout the U.S. and they all do, they all have different areas of expertise, right? So um, to do a little bit more cross-pollination, I think, would be good for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I, we can I, all learn from each other. Yeah, I think that this industry is only going to get bigger and better. And I think IGDA is a very great stepping stone for that. And I'm hoping that we can contribute to that in some way, in some meaningful way. I think we will. I do too. <laughs> I know we will. <laughs> there you <laughs> by, go. <laughs> by the power of the Twin Cities. <laughs> <clears throat> Form of no. Form of, no, exactly. I was totally thinking Voltron, and I couldn't find a way to pull it Wonder, in. Thank you. Wonder, Wonder Twins. Wonder, or Wonder Twins. Dang. The oh, Wonder man. Twin Cities. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Keep my eye out for Gloop now. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose uh, we should talk a little bit about what happened last month at the uh, IGDA Twin Cities meetup. Um, I think it was a really good meeting. Um, I'm surprised. There was I counted 69 people in attendance. I think that's one of the largest groups we've ever had. Uh, just as a reminder, the uh, the presentation was about Dead Space 2. It was by Sandra Volker. She's a technical artist for it. Um, she was there. She gave an hour and a half presentation full of insight and, and mystery and awesomeness that is the game development of a of a AAA title like Dead Space 2. Did we ever get the answer to the poly count for Isaac? Yes. She sent a, uh, a screenshot of the uh, polygon and triangle count there. And um, it basically... <laughs> One of the- burning questions of the presentation <laughs> that was not able to be answered. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I asked her at the uh, at the bar afterwards, and she's like, she she basically wanted to go grab her laptop and open it up, and I told her, no, don't do that. Um, but she did, she got back to me, it, it was around, and I'm impressed by this, uh, 25,000 triangles, approximately. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of triangles for the dude. Um, I, I don't know if that's all the time, or what, if that's including like the head versus the helmet. There's there's a lot of confusion there because there's so many different outfits that Isaac wears throughout that game. But I guess they all have the same poly count roughly. But like his head has a lot of polygons. And I know she covered that in the presentation. And I know the helmet has a lot of polygons. And you would never do both of them. Sure. So you would hide the head while it's behind the mask, so to speak. And um, 
but that that's a lot of polygons, especially when um or triangles, I should say. It's a lot of triangles, especially when the count for the the baddies was only like eight thousand. Mm-hmm. So I'm impressed by that. I wonder how many triangles the uh like supporting cast was, like the the L Ellie and the other sort of important characters in the story are, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, 25,000, that's a lot, but you know, with a total of the picture she sent me had 30,000 on it. And that was including the caps, the little bloody stubs that are the arms if they get hacked off. (laughs) You know, something else I thought was pretty interesting about the presentation was kind of talking about the designation of duties and actually how she kind of, she worked part of the day, and like she worked kind of in the morning and, and kind of in the night, like around midnight or something like that, so she could get the uh, um, the teams in Asia to work with the, the teams in uh, the U.S. and around the world. So that was actually pretty interesting. I didn't know that that was done very often. Maybe it isn't, but yeah, with the uh, with the time zones like that. I know with yeah. my job we have to work with um, the U.K. sometimes, and that's a pain in the butt. Exactly the same problem that she was talking about is that. You know, you send a question off and you have to wait half a day for them to even get in the office. And then you leave before they get a chance to address it or vice yeah. versa. So it can really slow it down. Even though you're both working full days and everything, it just slows down the communication. For those of us without Blackberries, you know, welded to our hips anyway. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the video we actually put online, we recorded it. It turned out really well, I think. Um, I spent a little bit too much time editing it, but I, I find that stuff sort of fun. Well, you did a really nice job because you put the slides and stuff in there, and I, yeah. it turned out really well. I really so. like the the blood splatter intro. I think I watched yeah. that thing like 400 <laughs> times. I just thought it was neat. Works it was real nice well. to be able to see all that blood because for for anybody that wasn't at the presentation, just just because of how projections work, it, it was a little bit of faded out, so you couldn't see the blood very well. Actually, you really couldn't see the blood. But it was nice. You can check the video if you really want to see that blood. Check the video. It's it's nice and very red. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. The the video uh, is her presenting, and I overlaid the the actual shots from her presentation in there too, in their full glory. So that worked out really well. Um, it's interesting. You know, I uploaded to YouTube the the original, the video included of the trailer she showed, like the full quality version, and, and YouTube is smart enough to say, hey, that's copyright infringement. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure we fall under fair use, but I went and took out the music directly anyway. So, anyhow, um, I, the point I wanted to make was that the video is there. Go to igdatc.org if you want to see it. Uh, it's probably the best way, or search on YouTube. But um, there was, you know, the whole presentation was an hour and a half. Um, but the way we we do the the videotaping is we give the presenter the option of reviewing, so that if they can still be free in their presentation to to say things that's more on a personal level. And so she, she requested a few minor slight edits. So it's always best to be there in person if you want to see the full thing. But, uh, you know, the, the, we only cut out like 10 minutes, and that was mostly the question and answer stuff that was uh, a little specific um, to some um, of the job specifics. But it was a really good presentation. You missed it if you weren't there. For sure. For sure, it was a really good presentation. I I, I really liked to what as like what Toria was saying, um, just kind of the process structure, the way they've set up the pods and all of that too. How um, streamlined it is is um, really impressive. I was really interested in that. 
Yeah, they've had some years to to iterate on that whole process there. Very true. Very cool game too. Um, yeah, it's interesting, especially when you find people that are so into or knowledgeable about something. Yeah. You know, they think that they nerd out on it. As you know, I know we've used that term quite a bit, but you almost become self-conscious of it. But I thought her presentation was just amazing. Anyway, it, missed it's it. It's nice to know that it's someone from Minnesota that's doing that. She's in a, she's in a very special situation that allows her to do that, but it's someone from Minnesota that's in a huge game, and that is cool. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think we convinced her to show up more, too. <laughs> Wednesday, she says, works for her, so that's okay. awesome. Well, if you guys don't have anything else to say about that... Um, What's what's our next upcoming event? Ah, uh, good good question. Um, Big John Games is our next month's meeting. Uh, is it March eighth? I'm gonna check that quick. Cause I am March 9th. All right, March March ninth at the Nerdery in Bloomington is Big John Games, and um, I the the announcement's gonna be coming out here soon. Uh, we'll be videotaping that one as well. Yeah, I would okay. imagine by the time the podcast is live, the announcement should be available. Yep, um, but I've got some details here. I don't know how much we want to get into the specifics of it, but um, Big John Games, they're a local game development company. They've developed a number of DS games before. Um, they've presented before. Really interesting. They talk about the DS development process, as well as PC. Um, they've been around for a lot of t- lot of years, um, doing a lot of different stuff. Um, I think it's Big John games.com. But what they're going to be presenting this time is they have two new titles coming out. Uh, one is DSWare. It's a big bass arcade. Uh, it's a fishing game, I guess. It's a uh, downloadable DS thing. I, I can't do that because I don't have a DSi. Um, sounds interesting. Um, another thing is a WiiWare title. It's a music genre game, I guess. I guess it's a port of the Zivex Jam Party. I've never heard of that, but uh, given the Big John presentations in the past, I know it'll be interesting. Um, they'll probably go through the, the whole development process of getting certified with Nintendo, the art, the platform technology, limitations, stuff like that. So given that it's DSWare and WiiWare, they'll probably do some comparisons there between the two, which I, I personally find very interesting. And uh, something from the last presentation they had that I found really interesting was how Nintendo works. It works, what it sounds like is completely different than any company I've heard before. So they'll probably go into that again, so it would be a really good thing to check out because it's really, really interesting. Which which presentation was that? Was that the one with Big John's uh, Big, last time from last year? Yeah, yeah, Big John Games, yeah. Do you remember what their subject was last time? It Was um, was they it their had, Thorium Wars? Yes, it was. Okay, yep. all right. Yep. Cool. But, uh, yeah, it's a... WiiWare title as well, I think. And then one last thing that they're they're doing, and this I thought was really interesting. It's a, a collaboration or an experiment, if you will, with UW Stout. Uh, I think that's University of Wisconsin. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But yep. bas- basically, I guess what they did is some of the students implemented a web-based game, given a concept design document from Big John. Oh, yeah, I heard a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess Big John gave him a concept design document, some concept art, a bunch of the other kind of like, this is what the game should be. And then the UW Stout students went and made it. So I guess it's sort of like a nutrition edu game or something like that. But but the whole process there, 
So it's really intriguing. Like, um, so basically you just kind of get dropped. Like they're the contractor for somebody in a way, you know, it sounds like an awesome learning experience. So yeah, totally. I'm excited for that one. So that is next month's uh, presentation, March 9th. I'm guessing 6.30 the, the presentation will start. Starts at 6 if you want pizza. Yeah. So there we go. There's our, there's our announcement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. So, some mobile gaming stuff. Some discussions to throw up in the air. Yeah, I thought since uh, Big John Games had made some... Uh, mobile gaming for the DS platform. Um, it might be interesting to talk a little bit about uh, the mo whole mobile environment just in general from the new announcement of the th Nintendo's 3DS to the you know, PSP 2, if whatever they decide to call it. I can't remember the acronym on the, their phone as well as Android and iPhone gaming. What do you guys think about that? Their phone, is that going to be called Play? Is that what they're calling it? Something like that. PSP Play. Is it? It's Android-based. I know that. Okay. And I know they have... Um, I mean, it is PlayStation. It is Sony. So they have developers sure. behind them, which, you know, is always a good thing. That that phone is pretty neat. It's got that little flip-out that instead of there being a keyboard there, it's like little nubs for controller and... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that that's, that's the phone or is that the PSP 2? That's the phone. Oh, that's okay. the phone, yeah. That the phone is called Play. It is called. Um, but the platform is called NGP, I think. Okay. That's the PlayStation Two. Yeah. Yeah, the NGP. I hate that. Why don't they just name the dang thing? You know what I mean? Well, it's the PlayStation Suite or whatever. I'm not. I'm not very familiar with this area of of. Yeah, I think. We're, I mean, we're gonna go kind of high order on it. You know, we're not gonna. Focus in on the little details of it, I guess. Yeah, but, I don't. Uh, I kind of look at it this way, you know, at my age and where I am in life and how I play. I, you know, I do play some games on my iPhone, um, but I wouldn't. I would never carry around another thing, like if I didn't have to carry it. <laughs> so, unless oh, it, I can't. I can't travel without my DS. I can't. Uh, I can't do it. I guess I I gotta say I do I do if I'm gonna go somewhere and I know I'm gonna be sitting for a while I usually do take my DS, although now a lot of the games I play I just play on my phone, but uh, I, I I personally I think the 3DS has a shot I think it's sounds like it's priced a little too high, right now but I think that has a shot because it's doing something that there's no other device that really does it right now. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the 3D screen? Yeah yeah, and. The PSP phone, I think, has a much better chance of the PSP2 taking off because if you're a total gamer and you're like, I still want to be able to make calls, so I can see someone going that route. But the PSP2 just it sounds like it's just more advanced hardware, but it's going to sit in kind of this limbo that it's not a big screen, you can't do this really cool stuff, and it's not your phone, so you're just going to want it in specific situations. Well, yeah, it's the, the gamer device right there. But, I mean, that's the same problem that the 3DS falls into, is that it isn't anything but. It, it, it is, except that I, I think there... It's Nintendo. That's what's well, got going for there's, there's really not a lot of games that are 3D right now. So, you, you there's not a lot of games you can play on a big screen that are 3D. So, that's why I think that that could occupy a niche that actually works for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, sense. you know, if you... if 
you know, I, I really enjoy my my DS, I think, or is it DS, DS Lite? I think the thing's awesome. I'm amazed. Out of all the platforms I own, that one's probably the one I'd have to say is really blew me away. And I remember seeing that in the store when it first came out and laughing. I, I looked at that thing. It had two screens on it. I'm like, that is so dopey. And I didn't understand it, but it took like three years. And then that thing just exploded. It just, you know, I own two now. The thing's great. Like there's these little things about it that I think are are still sort of strange, and one of those is like it's got these two screens, but all the games I play, I never really look at both screens. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you could get away with one in a lot of cases. Sure, you need a button to switch or something like that, but but I'm wondering if this 3D gimmick is really enough to sell people on, because the the resolution up there is is really low. It's like 400 by 420 pixels or something like that. And that's pretty small. But I mean, if it's got backbone behind it to pump a lot of graphics at it, un- unlike the 3D or the DS Lite, you know, maybe maybe that can make up for it some. I don't know. But I've heard a lot of developers really rave about it, though. Like a lot of indie developers that have some really cool titles they're working on. See, that 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 could be the saving grace of it too. Is actually if it opens up an indie market, some. You know, I haven't even. Yeah, that's true. But it all depends. You know, it's the whole Nintendo process. It's not like Android or iPhone or something like that where there's so many games and it's almost unfair to developers because you, you could spend five months on a game and have to sell it for a dollar or you could spend a week on a game and sell it for a dollar and have the same success. True. But that's also sort of what's nice about the the Android iPhone market is that you can just sort of shotgun. But um, back to the, the PSP phone, because um, I'm kind of there with you, Jackie, where it's like, you know, I have a phone. I don't really want a device I'm going to carry around with me. Um, unless I'm like say traveling, then I'm specifically interested in gaming, maybe. But um, I, I don't know that this one phone, this one device that is a phone plus PlayStation, would be enough to be able to grab any any market share or anything. I mean, yeah, I just I just feel I feel like I can't really talk about this because I I this is not something I'm. I would never buy this in a million years. I'm just the wrong market for these two products. Like I don't own a DS. I've never had any like portable gaming devices ever. Um, except for my iPhone. That's the only thing I've ever really. And you you don't know, because I've always had a laptop. I've never, I, I try to minimize the amount of stuff I have to carry around. And I, you know, um, I have this giant purse, and I usually have <laughs> a bunch of stuff in it, and I, it's, I try to keep it down to the stuff I just need to bring with me, and uh, yeah, I don't really want to carry around another device if I don't have to. And so when I did my gaming on the road in the past, I've, like I said, I've always had a laptop, so I've always been able to play games on my laptop. It wasn't until just a couple years ago I actually like put together a desktop PC. I'd never had one ever <laughs> until that point. I'd only had had laptops, like even when they were like kind of spendy in the mid nineties. So strange. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and I realize I'm probably an anomaly too. You know I mean? Most people probably would have gone the desktop console handheld route, but I just had always, and I played everything on my laptops, like everything that I've ever played on a PC, I've played on my laptops. Funny, I'm the other way around. I try to latch onto a laptop and I can't. It's just not right. I need I need my computer to be in a certain space in order for me to use it and consume it. 
sort That's of weird. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Having, having a laptop, it's just too mobile. I set it up in the kitchen, and I just want to go sit at my desktop. <laughs> or I try to put it in my lap, and I don't use it. But, I mean, I can totally understand the the, 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 the difference that you, that in the experience that you've had with it. Because I've always wanted a computer in my pocket and just mm-hmm. never been able to handle it. And now that I have one, actually, I still carry around a notepad and write on it because I can't get my phone to be as much of a notepad as I want it to be. It just doesn't, it's not tactile enough or something. There's something to be said about just a piece of paper you can pull out and find a week later. Right. You can always take a picture of the paper you write on, too. I do that. Oh, my gosh, I do that all the time. (laughs) If I have to measure something, you know, like I need to go to the hardware store for something, I'll write on a big post-it note the dimension and then take a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. I do that all the time. Decent OCR software, man. That's I, I should idea. start a, a little blog about my phone and just post pictures of the post-it notes with dimensions and the uh, the parking stall I'm parked at at the at the at the mall or at the airport. Digital analog notes. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. All right. Well, you know, I, I think that um, the whole Android iPhone gaming thing here's here's the other thing of it because like. There's some people saying that 3DS is priced too high. It's priced at, I guess, 250 US yeah. dollars. Yeah. Um, and you know that's a little spendy. I'm not. I was expecting it to be like 350 or something way back oh. when they announced it at E3. So it's actually. I was like, whoa, only 250 bucks. Awesome. Good for them. But the the real kicker of it is is the game costs. And so mm. the, the the question, you know, like these little carts cartridges that you buy for the the DS are 30 bucks normally. 20 dollars sometimes. Um, fifteen dollars other, but most of the time, if it's a if it's a Nintendo title, for instance, it's going to be thirty bucks. So the 3DS is, you know, they're hinting at thirty to forty dollar game cartridges, which means they're going to be forty bucks. Right, so if, <laughs> thirty if, to forty dollars. Yep. You mean forty dollars? <laughs> yep. So if you want, yeah, if you want your Mario Kart, if you want your Kid Icarus, if you want your Zelda, you're going to be paying prime, you know, premium bucks for it. Um, and, and, you know, I get that. That's that whole Nintendo, they've got that niche in those certain things that are super iconic and nostalgic to us all, right? The Marios, the Zeldas, stuff like that. Um, but then, you know, Android and iPhone, here they are with, like, the iPad, for instance, right? Here's this $500, $600 device with a, a bazillion games on it that are a dollar, or free, for that matter, that yeah. do just incredible things, almost. And granted, they're not Mario, unless you you know get an emulator or something. But I I see a hard. I'm wondering if consumers are going to start to go. Well, you know, I could get a 3DS for the kid or a PSP, or I could get this them this phone that I can communicate with them and they can also buy dollar games versus thirty dollar games. I'm I'm wondering because as a father of three small boys, they they are always borrowing my my iPod Touch and my and my Android phone to play something on. And I think that's going to be a really interesting point, too, the collision of digital and hardware games, because even on Steam, you'll see a lot of games are selling for the same price as a boxed item, but it's like, why am I paying that much? Because I'm not paying for the shipping, the production of the box. You know, I'm just paying for a physical copy. So I think that's... I think that's Something that's going to have to happen somehow. It's an interesting thing there. You the, you are paying for the ability to download. So there is that added cost of them hosting True. it. 
But I mean, yeah. I don't know how much it costs them to actually give a mega a gigabyte, say, or five gigabytes to somebody. You know, what does that cost? But um, in the comparison of manufacturing, um, what do you call physical property goods? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're really cheap. Like, um, yeah, CDs know. and stuff are cheap to press. Yeah, the no, I did the shipping though can get can get to be. That's true, but you but you pay that on top. They don't they don't put that into their code, unless you know, and it's a bit, and when they ship it to stores and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming yeah. stores pay the cost of the shipping. Well, in the stores too, you know, they have deals for you know they they need X percentage of you know sales revenue. So that you you know Steam is in the case of Steam like they're they're getting probably more than what Target gets for selling a game at Target or GameStop or Best Buy or whatever. That's I'm probably not. where the who's making the money there. <laughs> and I sink a ton of money into Steam, so I'm not trying to demonize them or anything like that. But I just I think it's interesting that that there's a still the similar pricing. But I feel like it should be a little bit different. But no, I, I agree. The same with uh, like digital books. It just doesn't feel like you're paying for the same thing. Yeah. But you know the other side of it is is if you price it cheaper then the mindset of the people buying it they feel like they're getting something of less quality if they download it. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. That's why we It's like the psychological aspect of pricing. <laughs> yep. That's why um I mentioned before Deadly Chambers uh, I developed it with uh battery powered games. Um that's why it's priced at 2.99. Is because you put it at 99 cents and you kind of get this sort of casual buyer that might not be happy, but at mm-hmm. 2.99 it feels like you're getting a better product, and also yeah. you're getting more of the people who are interested in that specific type of product. Right. So you get a third less sales maybe in total, but you get more appropriate sales. It's an interesting, like totally interesting balancing act there, like when when it's appropriate to do that sort of thing. And I, and I personally, I think it's also like in that sort of pricing model, the mobile Android market, for instance, it's it's good to put and and Steam actually too, it's good to put things on sale every once in a while, because then you catch those people that are that are sniping, that are scoping for a deal, that's but right. also had that in mind, right? So you like me, that's the way I am with games. I I you know I cons- I buy the new releases every once in a while, and it really interests me, but um. I'm also very willing to wait. So if I see something on sale, um, I'm more likely to go, you know, I wanted that before. It's on sale now. I should I should grab it. I've actually found that for PC now, the only physical games I buy are collector's items, like or like collector's editions, and I don't buy very many of those. So, but that's that's the only physical media I buy anymore. For I, thought, PC. I was you know I was wondering about people who buy those things. Um, the collector's edition. Like sometimes I just think it's neat to own that crap. Yeah. But what do you do with it? it well, I've got for Fallout 3, I've still got my my bobblehead and it sits right here. <laughs> See, yeah, that's something. <laughs> that's something I would want, I guess. Yeah, and it came with a lunchbox. A lunchbox, man. That's awesome. Does it explode? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the recipe yet, so. Oh, <laughs> did they? That's that's the like mega pack edition, right? Yeah. The... <laughs> So, yeah, I, 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 and I get it, and a lot of the stuff will pile up, and then I'll be like, why did I buy that, and what am I going to do with this now? What am I going to look at at night yeah. with these goggles? Exactly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Okay, it's, yeah, I can like understand it. Few and far between, only games I really like. See, I still, Skyrim. <laughs> I still really want the physical copy of stuff. I don't know. I just want to be able to put it on a shelf or at, we'll bury it somewhere. Is actually what it is. But to actually feel like I own it, it's it's weird having these things that I buy on Steam. Most of I, uh, I miss are manuals. I don't. I never look at the manual. I'm so really? bad. But you no. want it. Like if I go on uh, eBay or uh, Craigslist or something like that, looking for a, a game to get on sale, I won't buy it if it doesn't come with a manual. Even though all I need is the disc. Like there's a <laughs> lot of people that will sell it for, say it's this game. It's you know normally fifty bucks and w- look at somebody on eBay has it for five dollars, but it's disc only. And I'll be like, oh, there's somebody with fifteen bucks that has it in the original case with the manual. <laughs> I usually I do occasionally buy collectors editions like if there's special content that comes with them that I want I will buy but I have like the BioShock 2 collectors edition which came with like all those posters that have like they show up with like a special message under blacklight and a record of the BioShock 1 soundtrack that I was going to put in a frame all of those things and I never did, they're still rolled up in the box that they came in. So <laughs> you should do an know. unboxing video. Yeah, that'd be here's, awesome. Here's a weird, weird thing that I was actually going to buy the collector's edition of The Witcher 2, but it comes with a bust, or well, it's just his head uh, of uh, Geralt's. Is it just? I think it's Geralt. It, just, it comes with his head, and I was like, I, 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 I do not need somebody's head. So I actually, <laughs> I, I, I mean, what am I to do with someone's head? <laughs> I, I know I have a bobblehead, but I, I don't know. It's just a bust of someone's head. That's and awesome. So I didn't get the collector's edition, so it can backfire, at least for me anyway. So. Well, I know that uh, I was watching Big Bang Theory the other day, and I noticed that they had the uh, the elite version or, or the collector's edition where you get the helmet <laughs> sitting in the background with a, next to a stack of Xbox games. Oh, nice. That's cool. That's cool. I don't know. I don't know if you guys watched that show, but they they put a little bit of love at the video games in that show. I did like the collector's edition for Mass Effect 2 because it came with the art book. I like what it, and actually the Bioshock 2 collector's edition had a a book of concept art that was really. I like that kind of stuff. So I do. I do look through that, but I it's. I don't like put it on my bookshelf or anything. It's still sitting in the box, but I did look through it at least. I didn't look through the manual though. Stuff always makes me sad. I love looking at it, but you know, as as a wannabe artist, it just highlights <laughs> how much of an artist I am not. So, what do you guys think about this new trailer for this game called Dead Island? Oh man, don't get me started on this trailer. <laughs> I actually want to know what you think about it. Because, okay, as as a filmmaker, this trailer was amazing. I and, agree. And um, so you watch it, and there's these certain things that happen, and it's the reverse time thing, so you don't know what's going on, um, and it's intermixed with forward time, and it it there's this amazing shot in it, and um, we'll have to put a link to some of the stuff we're talking about in the show notes, but um, there's this spot where I'm getting ahead of myself. We should talk. The whole idea is that it's this family that gets attacked by zombies, and it's sort of focusing on this little girl who is has become undead, let's say. And there's this point in the trailer where it's the uh, the forward time and the reverse time kind of come together. Oh, right, the part and, where she's riding on his back? No, no, before oh, this. So okay. it's, you know, it starts with her falling up 
out of a window, so you know mm-hmm. that she's become undead. And then it cuts to her running forward and being attacked by zombies. Right. And and so it all comes together with her having been attacked, and you know that she's going to die and be thrown out a window. And it's this scene where the father is reaching down to his daughter, mm-hmm. right? But it plays backwards. So it's it, it, from the filmmaker in me, it's, it's like, oh, my God, he's letting her go yeah. instead of saving her. I just thought that it gave me chills watching this thing because it's this thing where he's trying to save his daughter, but because it's playing backwards, instead of picking her up, he's putting her down Mm. on the ground um, after she's been attacked. It's sort of like, and and maybe I'm reading into it way too much, but that's partially what I I was just amazed about is um, it really gave me this feeling of, you know, in that heat of the moment, you know, if I had been there, yeah, you're going to grab your kid and you're going to, Hope for the best, right? But in that moment of the trailer, it really feels like if you were watching it normally, you'd be going, oh, she's screwed. And it seems because of the way it's playing backwards is that he's he knows that and he's letting her go. So that that's my two cents, I guess, about that trailer and, and why it struck me so well. That's No, that's a good way to put it. I, I hadn't really thought of it about that way, but I, I, I always remember that moment, too, because it kind of jumps into slow motion for a little bit. And, yeah, it's very... It, 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 yeah, if, if you look, it's got this fade in at that moment in time. So they did special care there where it's not the normal cutting between every shot. Mm-hmm. That yeah. shot does a fade in. So when it comes to him reaching down for her, it's extra slow, it's in reverse, and it's fading in. So they, they did spend a special care in that specific shot. So, but that's the filmmaker in me overanalyzing it. Then I, IGN did a pretty interesting breakdown shot by shot of it. So they actually they threw a lot of gameplay stuff in there too, which is pretty interesting. So th- that was cool to do. And they, they, they had all these little background stuff. So if you go to IGN and just do a Dead Island search, there's a really cool thing, the little breakdown that they did. So there is actually gameplay in that trailer? Yeah, the, it was showing about how you, like, the, you know, the, the father grabs the axe. So okay. it, it's, it's not gameplay footage. But it would right. play concepting basically. But yeah, kind okay. of finding random stuff around to use to combat stuff. So and there's actually, if you look, there's actually in the background in some of the sh- uh, at least one shot, there's actually other humans fighting off zombies in the background, but it's really buried. Yeah, it's and, behind the behind the girl with the behind the guy on fire. Yeah. Oh, so oh behind, yeah. Behind yeah, the girl is a guy on fire, and behind the guy on fire is some people there's... fighting off zombies. Mhm. And another interesting point that they brought up too is that. In the beginning, she's not a zombie, and it's because she's she's dead a second time. But as it rewinds, she becomes a zombie before the impact. So that's supposed to say something about how the zombies are handled in this in this universe. So hmm. there's a they threw a lot of gameplay stuff in there too, which which I was actually impressed by. But they managed to tuck it into what I feel like is an artful little thing, and they actually were able to make that not a focus, but incorporated into the whole piece and the music don't get me started on the music i love the music the music was really good yeah the, the, that was a good choice matching the music with the it really brought home the emotion well well plus the whole like attaching it to children yeah. thing yeah. is is the big grab there because most times in these in that thing you know uh children are that sacred thing that you don't really touch as much in the general consumption of things 
That's true. And I think if they would have made a trailer where a child just got turned, it wouldn't have been as tasteful. True. I think that the artistic approach of it going backwards and, and being about a child kind of they, – they, they played it safe in a way. Not safe, but I mean that's why it's also so engaging is that you're like, oh my gosh. Like uh, like The Walking Dead, you know, I watch that series and there's child zombies. There's often child zombies in things. Is it um, the remake of – I can't remember which one it is, but they never show the, the turning of the children, right? Sure, sure. So it, it, it's an interesting and horrible thought to even think about. But, but I know that the, the trailer just in general um, – it, it got a lot of hubbub in the negative as well. Well, Jackie, what do you think? So, I, I mean, the trailer in and of itself is just a, mov- a little movie, moviette, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> from start to finish, um, is really good. It's emotional and it's engaging. So I started looking up some information on the website about the game. And it's... so. <laughs> Well, first of all, I'm kind of tired of zombies. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, I am <laughs> zombied out. I'm just so tired of zombies. They were vampires. <laughs> no, I, you know, we need, to, we need to figure out some better monsters. Like, <laughs> it's just, as an industry, we no, need better I'll, monsters. No, I totally agree with you. But I think the, <laughs> the gameplay of it, it's a fun, just know-nothing bad guy. That's that's the, from a gameplay well, but the, in the description was they wanted to bring you know more realism to to the zombie apocalypse, which to me is funny in and of itself because you know zombie apocalypse isn't real, so <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know why why you need to bring realism to it. The second thing is is like you know if you it, if you start looking at the the description of the characters and stuff that are in the game, the ones that are announced, and you look through all the screenshots that they have on the site. Um, none of those people in the trailer are obviously characters you play in the game. And then, and then the, the one character that is announced, um, Sheehan, she, uh, she, she's wearing like a split skirt and thigh high nylons and black high heels. And she's fighting zombies with melee weapons. So... (laughs) I just was like, this. These two things aren't fitting together for me. Like, so the the trailer is really emotional, and like, there's this family that's, you know, not having a good vacation, to put it mildly. <laughs> and and then you start looking at the other things in the game, and you're like, okay, well, this trailer is really good, but it doesn't fit with the rest of what's going on here at all. And yeah. so now I feel a little duped. That's my big question, too, is where the heck did this game come from? Because you do a search for it, and then you just find all these awful screenshots of Dead Island. And I don't know when they were from, but like if you do it at least when that the moment that video hit, because I had seen it coming through the Twitter, Twitter sphere, and so I did a search on YouTube, and it was like posted, you know, an hour ago, and then after that it was two years ago. Oh, gotcha. And... And I, and I was wondering where the heck this game came from because I hadn't heard anything about it. But they had a freaking high-quality, gorgeous trailer. You know, a very emotional, I want to know more about this game trailer. But and I, honestly, I'm, I'm under no illusion that the game is not going to be as good as a trailer because I, they just, I think they set the bar too high. <laughs> to, well, that's exactly, you know, and, and, and honestly, it looks like a kind of more like a Left 4 Dead kind of thing in a 
more wide roaming world. Yeah, I was assuming. Yeah, I was assuming more of a Dead Rising thing, but without the Japanese, you know, sort of um, grinding overtones. Mm. But I I don't know. Is it an open world? I'm assuming it is, but who knows? It's it's dead. uh, It's an island of the dead. Supposedly, you can go just about anywhere you can see. So, I mean, I'm going to try it. Certainly the demo first, but um, I'm just so leery of... Because I, I like that the trailer so much that I'm just... I know I'm going to be disappointed. I hope I'm not, but I just know I'm going to be. Well, right. The, the, the trailer for Dead Space, I know... Or Dead Space 2. I know that thing gave me tri- maybe gave me chills. Made me want to go play the game. But I thought it was very true to the game, though, too. Because yeah. a lot of that stuff is actual gameplay. So, right. So this is a, is a marketing ploy or a marketing strategy for De- Dead Island, and they're getting attention for it in in markets that, you know, maybe might not be as aware of it, which is a good thing, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, I'm just hoping that the game is actually fun, and I haven't heard anything about it before. So, And, and to be honest, you know, I, I don't really care. They made an awesome trailer that I enjoyed watching that, that made me feel something. So that's, that's true. That, that's, that's worth it. You know, you know, something. There, there's been a lot of movies like that where the trailer is way better than the movie. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the trailer's enough. You know, I try. You know, if we ever talk movies, you'll 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 get an earful from me. But I I try very hard to not see trailers. Oh, gotcha. Like somebody said, Cowboys versus Aliens at me the you know like a month ago. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then I saw the trailer and I went, oh no, that does not look good. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It sounds awesome though. <laughs> Cowboys versus Aliens. Are you kidding me? How can you mess that up? Well, here's a trailer to show yeah. you how. Seriously, they they cast the new James Bond. You're like. Awesome. Are you kidding me? Him with revolvers and a and a hat and a gritty, you know. You got him. That's a perfect fit. And then I don't know. The trailer just really ruined it for me. But anyway, I'll digress. We we're not a we're not a movie podcast. We're a Twin Cities gaming podcast. Game developer podcast. So I can go crazy on movies too. Okay, well I guess one other point I wanted to make regarding the podcast uh this month is um, we didn't really discuss it about next meeting, but because the next meeting is going to be after GDC, I know that uh, Zach, um, I guess he's the president of the chapter, uh, Zach is really interested in anybody that goes to GDC to bring up some some topics about it at the, uh, at the presentation next week. So the presentations normally, um, I guess I should say the meetings, normally have some time there for either like a a small side project presentation or a small discussion before the presentation. Um, Last month was a little bit special being that it was Dead Space 2 and it was really popular and we wanted to give her as much time as possible. Um, It might be the same with Big John, I'm not sure, but um, I know that that Zach wants to talk about GDC a little bit. So hopefully, Jackie, I'm sure you'll have something to say. I'm not sure if anybody else is going or not, but... Yeah, I think there's a few other Minnesota members heading over there. Awesome. Well, I'm hoping you all feel welcome enough, and and any listeners out there that do go, or even if you don't go but you read or hear something interesting about uh, GDC or news that came out of there or are just wanted to talk about something specific from there, I hope that we can um, we can do that at the next meeting. So that's one point that, that uh, Zach wanted me to bring up. So did that. Achievement unlocked. 
All right, well, that, that wraps up episode two of the IGDA TC Twin Cities uh, podcast. Um, we have a website. I mentioned it, I'm sure, numerous numerous times, IGDATC.org. Um, it's going to be a hub for all this stuff, including uh, this podcast and meeting notes and announcements. It's probably the number one place to go. Oh, and uh, we're on iTunes now. Yes. Oh, Ooh, yeah. that should have been an opener right there. Well, duh. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty neat. We're listed on iTunes now, so you can actually find us. I believe you can you can find us if you search for just IGDA. Yes, it should work. Yep. Oh, look at that. We're number one when you search it for IGDA. Um, IGDA TC, of course, will be the only one. Um, that's the best way to get this podcast, I guess, if you're a iTunes-er um, like me. After that, uh, Facebook, of course. There's a community there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, concern, etc., please let us know. You can contact us at podcast at igdatc.org. Thank you, and good night. Ryan Foss has left the building. <laughs> <laughs>